From the strip club at the beginning of Short Circuit 2, it's the IGN DigiGuy. Please welcome two of the only people who've actually seen Short Circuit 2, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Oh, yeah. Mark, ask me how my week was. Oh, Wade. You want some ice cream? Oh, uh, well, where did that come from? Because uh, you want me to ask you how your week oh, was. Oh, okay. So you get to tell a story, but I'm not going to play your game. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll have some ice cream. Great. How's your week? Uh, I, you know what? Uh, Costa Gavras is wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Oh, you interviewed Costa Gavras for a uh, magazine I, interview, no, right? No, no, no. I did that uh, a couple of years ago. No, no. This was for the, uh, the, DVD, audio, the DVD and Blu-ray commentary for his 2002 film, Amen. Wait, so which it was you the, and Costa Gavras? Yep. Damn right. Really? Yeah. Sitting, in a, sitting on a couch recording your thing? Well, sitting on chairs. But yes, yes. Wow. Talking about Amen, which is a fantastic film that is, it never got a proper release here. Uh, it was out for like two weeks or three weeks or whatever, and uh, it's a great film. It's one of his best. Okay. And I'm so thrilled that it's coming out. Cohen Media, who of course I did the commentary for the Bronte Sisters for, a uh, similar kind of a deal. But here I'm basically just hosting. I'm like, uh, tell me about this, tell me about that. You know, and I'm, I'm along for the ride, man. It's a, it's, a, it's a great commentary, a lot of great anecdotes, and uh, we will be talking about that soon. So yes, Amen, coming out on Blu-ray from Cohen Media. It's fantastic. Okay. So you had never met Costa Gavras before no, no, this. I hosted, I hosted uh, an evening with him at Colcoa a few years ago. Okay, no one cares. And, so then, I wrote, the and then I interviewed him for the DJ Quarterly as well. Uh, okay, stop showing so off. So we have a history. Stop showing off. Yeah. So what happens is you get there. Now, does he remember you? No. He does not. No, I'm not, I'm not even going to jog his memory. He meets so many people. Are that, you kidding that, me? I'm not going to, I'm not going to try and jog his memory. That's, that's fine. So uh, did you huddle up with him and discuss a game plan for this commentary? Like five minutes worth. Okay. And yeah. you said what? I, I just I just said, look, this is how I kind of want to approach this, and uh, and he said, yeah, that's that's great. And I, I asked, there were a couple of outstanding questions I had. I said, I'm just curious, yippity boo and yabba yah. Did you and really he, say yippity boo? Come on, sir. Yes, is I did. Is that right? I did. Okay. And and he said, uh, fili foo. Really? And I was like, that's what I thought. In Thank French? you. Yes. Okay. There so now here's the thing: when you get into the now, how does it work? Before, as you, <laughs> yes. I don't care about the commentary itself. I just care about the behind the scenes because no one knows this stuff. I know. So, is there a producer who says, "Mr. Uh, Mr. Gavris, Mr. Major, this is what's going to happen"? There's Does he download en- you? There's a sound engineer. So there's no producer. There's no producer. Oh, interesting. So the only person there to greet you at the door or to make sure you is the you engineer. Have water in the, the engineer is the engineer. The engineer. Okay, interesting. So. Yeah. The engineer comes up to you and says... Who I know really well, by the way. I mean, he's, I, you know, he's the same guy. That, like, all those DVD commentaries we did for, for Pathfinder, like Master, Master of the Flying Guillotine and all that. It's, you know, he did those years ago for us. So, I, I mean, stop, I, I've known this guy for years. Okay, stop showing off. So, yeah. the guy says, uh, Mr. Major, Mr. Garvis, what does he say? Let's we, start, or here's you, how you, we do... Look, he's sitting there, and the film is being... You know, he's got the film projected on the big screen. He's got the big board in front of him. There's a booth to the side. We go into the booth. We each sit down. In a very nice, comfortable seat with a little, uh, you know, uh, thingamajig in front of you, like, you know, music stand type deal. You can put your notes there and all your stuff. And there's a nice widescreen television in front of you. And they roll the movie. And then, you know, he adjusts the microphones, make sure all our levels and directions and blah de blah is all right. And then we, we rock and roll. Are you wearing uh, he- headphones? Yes. Do you get to stop if you want to stop? Yes. Did you stop? No. You're just saying that because no, you no, we be, didn't. You did look, not, look, look, and that was the one thing. I, I, I think commentaries are better when you roll all the way through. Sometimes you'll get a hitch, there'll be a technical glitch or something, and they'll have to kind of, you know, roll back a little bit. Or, or sometimes somebody will say, you know, I got to pee like a freaking, you know, elephant uh, in July. I don't know what. That and means. What, now was that you? No. Having to pee like an elephant in July. No. Really, you were fine. Yeah. Okay. 
So uh, you go through the whole thing. Yep. And when it's over, does the engineer say that was a great job, or does he say we yep. have it? Uh, yep. Go to hell. What, what does he say? It says we, you know, we we got it. It's good. Uh, take two. Really? Do it again? No, you don't do it again. Okay. <laughs> so then, uh, what? So then, uh, it's done, right? So it's over. The end credits have rolled. Correct. Carlos, thank you for joining us. I mean, yes. Commentary. Hope you enjoy the commentary. And so, what happens after that? Do you buy him a beer? What happens? No, then you, you're you're done. You know, Costa had to go jump a flight to go to the Mill Valley uh, Film Festival, and there it is. And then it was over. So That's the whole thing took like three hours. Uh, you know, the movie is a uh, little over two hours, and uh, we had about 15, 20 minutes. It was about, it was about two and a half hours. Now, it, was there any point during the commentary where you can't believe I'm grilling you like this? It's ridiculous. no it's one absurd. knows this stuff. All you, all you do is listen to the actual commentary. You don't know what goes into it. You, now, you and I have done commentaries. Yes. You know exactly yes. what goes into this. That, that, so why? True. Because I don't get to do with famous directors and uh, big people. <laughs> By the way, we have an interview today with Vicki Lawrence, right? Yes, we do. We do indeed. Vicki Lawrence, yes. Uh, it's uh, because of the, uh, the DVD and Blu-ray release of uh, the, the special edition release of The Exorcist, which uh, Vicki Lawrence was the star of. You know that, right? Mark just left the room. What are you doing? Mark? Hello? Am I alone? Well, here we go. This is the, uh, this is the Wade show. What are you doing? Because you answered... The- because you answered the questions about uh, uh, the audio commentary oh, I get, so I get, succinctly. I get ice cream? No, here's what happened. So I go to a restaurant. Oh, dear. Big, big time sushi restaurant. We got a lot to cover, so make it quick. Okay. This, this will be more interesting than your cost okay. of garbage. Blah, blah, look at me. Okay. Z, Director of Z talks to me. <laughs> go to the sushi place, get dessert. They have cinnamon ice cream. Yes. It's so good. Yes. I think to myself, I, I'm going to see if okay. I can make cinnamon ice cream at home. All right. So well, I go on the internet. Yeah. And got a uh, now, of course, okay. Now this ice cream is about like two weeks old. Okay. But it's it, fine. It, so don't worry about the consistency. And I made it. Now my it question was so is, good. My question is: Does it have any meat in it? Yes. Does meat in it? It does. Good, because I like meat with cinnamon. Cinnamon meat is a good important. combination. So it's important. Meat and meat. Good ice cream always has meat in it. Now, okay. Now be honest. Like veal, you know, veal yes. and ice cream, veal yeah. flavored ice cream, okay, really you good. Shut up and eat. How good is this cinnamon ice cream? Be honest. That's good. Right? Yeah, that's yeah, good. Uh-huh. <laughs> See? Mm-hmm. The, the, now, this ice cream is, is the shizzle. Oh, dude, this is, yeah, this is, oh, this is my snack for the show. Damn right. Now, you, now you're not lying, the, right? Screw, screw the water. Huh? Now, you, you're, you're not lying, right? I, th- this ice cream is, is the best. It's Cinnamon ice cream. If you guys make ice cream at home, I'm telling you, it would sounds you, exotic. Would you, would you make a pint of this for me, like, every week? <laughs> you know what? Actually, uh... Mm. What? Mmm. 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 <laughs> And he's not kidding. No, I'm reenacting the uh, the flamingo kid all over the place here. <laughs> all right. Well, no, wait. Uh, like let's four of our listeners will get that. I know. Well, okay. By the way, the flamingo kid, which they shot near my grandmother's apartment in uh, in uh, uh, Woodhaven, Queens. Um, right. Now, uh, Wade, mm-hmm. we have new movies to talk about, mm. including a new one from Joss Whedon. Oh my gosh, we got so Joss much. Joss Whedon. Gobs, good television. Vicky Lawrence, actually, because you know she's, she starred in The Exorcist. Now, Vicky Lawrence, of course, uh, Mama's Family. Complete series, Mama's Family, box set, big hunkin' box set, frickin' Time Life Rocket. Finally coming out. So Mama's Family, legendary television show, by the way. There's well, only a, I mean, seriously, how many television shows can you name off the top of your head right now? Bang, go. Uh, from all around the world that were great hit television sitcoms that were, that were evolved from sketches on a sketch comedy show. How many? Uh, name them. Uh, six. Go. Uh, uh, Star Wars? No, stop it. I don't know. Ma- Ma- Mama's Family? What? Right? Mama's Family? It was, it was originally a sketch. Right. It was a sketch on the on the on the uh, the Carl Burnett show. It became a series. Um, uh, the Simpsons. Right. It was a, it was a bit on That's the true. on the on the Tracy Ellman show. It became Very a series. True. The Honeymooners. 
right? Uh -huh. it, was, it was a bit on the on the uh, the Jackie Gleason show, then became its own series. And the only other one I can think of is Abfab, which you know started as a sketch on. Uh, on uh, uh, French and Saunders, you, and then evolved into its own show. You love that show. I love that show. I love them all. They're all great. By the They're way, all great. what do you love more, uh, Vicky Lawrence show or my cinnamon ice cream? Oh man, dude! I um, honestly, don't, I don't that, tell Vicky Lawrence, that, but friggin' ice cream. That thing is the shizzle. Mm. I, I, mm -hmm. I, think, the thing with certain recipes of ice cream that you know how much I love certain this? recipes don't yield a lot. Mm. So if it's a pain in the neck to make, mm. I don't make as doesn't yield a lot. This one is easy. I love yes. this so much. Yes. I'm only going to eat half of it. Yes. And the other half I'm going to put in my pants. Really? Afterwards, yes. That's I'm going to pour the other half in my pants. God. That's how much All I right, love so we it. have some new movies. Joss Whedon. Uh, we have uh, uh, Jonah Hill. and uh, We'll be talking about him. We'll be talking mm -hmm. about a great, interesting um, faux documentary that takes place uh, on one of the moons of Jupiter. We're also going to be talking about a couple of documentaries related to movies. One yes. Of which, yes. Uh, which Did I, we talk about the one over there? This didn't we? Well, yeah, but it's not in some Blu-ray. Oh, it wasn't on Blu-ray before. Oh, okay. And this we're going to talk about because every single human being depicted in this yes is is psychotic and should be locked up in a padded cell. I I I, I, you know, I thought that documentary was, was just the stupidest thing. Friggin' horrible. And you'll know what we're talking about as soon as we get there. So, uh, for starters, Mark, uh, you, you you got some some music and baseball to uh, orient us to. So, oh, you know, do wait. so oh, okay. as it's October. You know, baseball. Yeah, and I love it. Um, oh, you know what? I have a music story to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Show's going to be an hour and 27 minutes. It's not, later. because right. uh, we got to get this yeah, thing. Because we, we have to get to Vicky. Okay. okay. So, uh, there's this... Sh I have a DVR. Mm -hmm. which I, I, I got a DVR about three weeks ago. Never owned one before. Didn't know how it worked. Knew nothing about it. I got right. a DVR. Mm -hmm. One of the shows that I've been recording, which is a show I love, it's on an all-music channel called Palladia. It's right. called It's called Later with Jules Holland. Okay. And it is a... Uh, it takes place on a sound stage. Five or six bands, or four or five bands... All sure. set up on the soundstage, and they're famous bands. They have Paul McCartney, they have Arcade Fire, they have the Foo Fighters, they have classic acts, they have Neil Sedaka, they have Glenn Campbell, they have unknown acts, interesting acts. It's a great show, all live on the soundstage, maybe five, six acts per show. So one of the acts that they had in one I was watching was Ian Hunter. Now, Ian Hunter used to be a member of a band called Mata Hoople. Now, Mata Hoople... Mata Hoople? Mata Hoople. Okay. Mata Hoople was a band in the 70s. Okay. And their most, favorite, uh, their most famous song was something called All the Young Dudes. Mm-hmm. You know, Wade, do you know that song, All the Young Dudes, Carry the Ludes? You know that song? No, but go on. Really? Have you never heard of Mata Hoople? Not really. Ugh. This story's going nowhere then. Okay. Okay, then I'll tell it quickly. So Mata Hoople, they were a band. They, had, they definitely had a moment. All the Young Dudes, written for them by David Bowie, because Mick Ronson was in, was in the band. Okay. Uh, they were a big deal. So, because Ian Hunter was on the show, and I was bored, I wikied Ian Hunter... Then I wikied Mata Hoople because I was mm -hmm. curious, what is Mata Hoople? Why would somebody call their band Mata Hoople? Makes no sense to me, right? No. What does that mean? So it turns out that Mata Hoople uh, was a book. The book was called Mata Hoople. Uh -huh. Who wrote this book, Wade? Turns out that Mata Hoople, yeah. the book that became the name of this band, mm -hmm. was written by Willard Manis, who is a member of the LA Film Critics Association. No kidding. Now, this story means now I, I, Now that I know that you don't know what Mata Hoople is and you've never heard of all the young dudes. Willard wrote a book called Mata Hoople. Not only did Willard write a book called Mata Hoople, but that book wound up being the name of a band that was very big for a very brief time in the 70s and had a huge, huge hit. I finished the ice cream. I want more. More. Uh, no, more. I, gave you, I gave you the rest of it. No. <laughs> I more. Gave, I gave you the rest of it. More. More. Are you going to make some now? Yes. We'll come back tomorrow. It'll be done. Okay. Nope, that's it. I gave you the rest of it. 
Well, not fair. I Come on, more. guy. Sure, okay. so you, you so know. What, what is this book that Willard wrote? Is it what is it? A novel? Or did, no, it's a, a, it's 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 um, it's a little like um, what's the Tom Courtney? It's one of those like uh, British uh, kitchen sink kind of comedy things from the seventies, like um, nonfiction, fiction. What, what was the Tom Conti? I mean, the Tom Courtney one. Uh, um, Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner. It's it's a funny one. It's uh, he plays this womanizing guy who runs around. It's like a Tom Jonesy type thing. Oh, the the the, the knack and how to get it. It's like the knack. It's not the hoople. The book is like the knack. It's like Tom Jones. It's part of that whole wave. But it was a book, Uh, and so. But Willard's not British. He's American. I, I I just work here. What can I say? He wrote the book. This story's going nowhere. Don't stop me, the recording. You're going to make me go to the meeting on Saturday just so I can ask him about this. I right? have to go to the meeting Saturday because I haven't been to a meeting all oh, year. And I want right. to vote. Yeah. All right. Um, but, but, yeah, but what's the name of that movie? This is Willard. That movie, huh? This is freaking Willard. I know. He, he just like sits there in the corner all mellow and chill. and like, yeah, He's probably like in his late 60s, early 70s now. Yeah. But he wrote a book called Mata Hoople, which is the You know what? Ask Andy. I bet Andy knows all about this. Email Andy right Are you really? Now. Are you really? Yeah. Did Willard Manis really write Mata Hoople? The name of which was appropriated by a band that had a huge hit written for them by David Bowie in the 70s. All right, meanwhile, and you, you got to find the name of the movie that was Tom Conti or Tom Courtney. It's the name of a guy. It's, uh, it's called Crazy Wacky Dude. Oh, this is the worst show ever. Okay, Brian Ferry uh, has a new uh, live uh, Blu-ray out called Live and Leon. I'm a huge fan of Brian Ferry. I think he's totally cool. Um, I put a spell on you. Of course, his biggest hit was Slave to Love. Um, and all along the Watchtower, he does a cover of that, which is very interesting. He puts his kind of interesting, sweet. Uh, interesting sweet flavor on it. Uh, Avalon, you guys might know. Um, so I like him. I like Brian Ferry. I like Live and Leon. It's a, um, it's a good DVD. It's a good Blu-ray, great music. Um, it does include um, a bonus feature called The Making of Olympia, which is, which is whatever. Okay. Um, but anyway, I like it. If you like Brian Ferry, go for it. The only other uh, music Blu-ray we have is... Caro Emerald in concert. Now, I didn't really know who Caro Emerald was, but I gotta say, it's really cool. She's very cool. She's uh, she's got a great style to her. Interesting music. This was shot at the uh, uh, BBC Radio Theater in London for their um, in concert series. And uh, you know, I, I guarantee you guys have not heard Caro Emerald because God knows I haven't either. But uh, <laughs> no, at the time I hadn't. But you know, she's kind of a cool. She's got a very cool jazzy sound. She's got an interesting kind of like an old film noir, almost femme fatale look to her, and uh, it's super cool. Caro Emerald in concert, BBC concert series. So um, if you want something kind of new and interesting and different and out there, and you see this thing, give it a rental. Oh. Caro Emerald in concert. Those are the only two uh, music. Uh, Blu-rays we had this week. Oh, Emerald, huh? Yep, cool, totally cool. Sweet. By nice. the way, the one good thing about this uh, Lady with Jules Holland is that it introduces me to bands I would never normally see because yes. I just love the show. And uh, I'm telling you, later, Sweet. you know what? Land all those performances, Lady with Jules Holland, they're all on YouTube. Right. Totally awesome. Right. Okay, let's talk about uh, baseball. Sex baby. What? Let's talk about sex baby. Oh my god. Thank did you. Did you really just say that? I did. Uh, the New York Yankees did not make the playoffs. This. Uh, That's amazing. That, with that payroll. You, <laughs> just, well, you know what? Here's the thing, though. Uh, Jeter, was, uh, Jeter was injured. Mark Teixeira was out for most of the year. Uh, 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 A-Rod had his problems. So, really, they were... And the thing is that basically it's done. I mean, they, they, they've got to get that new generation going. And if, yeah. Rob, if Robinson Cano winds up going to another team, and I think he's going to wind up asking for way too much money, he's going to have to come down or resign with the Yankees. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I think they're going to start... I think they're going to enter a fallow period. Ah. The Yankees are. 
Uh, and Pettit is gone next year. I think tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow. I think next season will be Jeter's last. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. Anyway, we have New York Yankees 2000. Now, Wade, why do I care about the New York Yankees 2000 when I'm a know. Met fan? I don't know. Because the World Series of 2000 was, uh, for the first time in 50 years, uh, the Yankees versus the Mets. Oh. You knew that. Not only did the Mets play the Yankees in the you World were there. Series, you were I went there. to all five games for free. Did you like how I feigned interest and excitement and surprise? Because <laughs> I, I know this story in, intimately. All <laughs> five games for free mm. of the, of the uh, Yankees-Mets really? World Series. I did. Anyway, uh, Yankee fans, I would go for it. Because, you know what's funny is that I bet Major League Baseball, they produced this disc, they designed its cover, they pressed it, they released it, because they knew that the Yankees would probably make the playoffs like they always do, and it would spur interest. Turns mm. out, didn't make the playoffs. Now this Blu-ray set, no one cares. Oh, no well. one's talking about the Yankees. Anyway, but it's, it's a great set, if you like the Yankees, in which case, uh, screw you. Okay, very exciting. So, um, two from the Tigers. The, uh, as we speak, the Tigers are uh, battling it out with the A's, and uh, I'm predicting it here. I think um, uh, the Tigers are going to win that series. But uh, the A's are pesky. And they had the great young pitcher, the guy who won Does the other night. Does anyone call them the Oakland Athletics, in, in like, in the last 30 years? Sure. I mean, they call them the Athletics, but it's okay. just the A's. Maybe. The A's, yeah. Uh, there are two Tigers ones. One is uh, Detroit Tigers' 1984 World Series uh, collection. This was the team that uh, won it all. Jack Morris had a no-hitter in the fourth game of the season, and um, they had an amazing April-May record. They were, like, 35-5 and five in April and May. Had a great record. Similar to what the Dodgers did earlier this year. Right, right. Sparky Anderson, uh, who... Passed away, actually, I think, earlier this oh, year. Oh, did he really? Sparky Spark Anderson, Anderson passed away? away? You, you, you ever see David Letterman's... You have uh, no it, idea who Sparky Anderson You know what? I, the only reason I know why... Yes. Uh, the only reason I know why is because, like, uh, 30 years ago, David Letterman did an, imp- an impression one evening of Sparky Anderson uh, doing a television interview, and it went something like this. And this is a sight gag, so the listeners are not going to get it, but it, Letterman's doing his monologue, and he goes, this is my impression of Sparky Anderson uh, doing a television interview. That's what he did. <laughs> That's great. God, yeah, I wish the hell yeah. listeners could see that. Yeah, okay, oh move God. on. <laughs> it was funny. It was. I'm sure there's a YouTube link. Great. <laughs> okay. Uh, Sparky, I think, was the only manager to win World Series in, uh, World Series in both leagues. Because I think he won with the Reds. Although, look that up, someone. And email yeah. us at digigods.com Or hit us up on the Facebook page. Anyway, the radio calls are great. I love the radio calls that they, 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 they include on these because that's uh, like, you know, 30-year-old radio calls from back in the day. Detroit Tigers, mm. 1984. If you're a Tiger fan, go for it. I do like the Tigers. They are cool. They're a cool new team. I would love to see the Tigers and the Pirates in the World Series. Not going to happen. No. Tigers hometown heroics. Now, the Tigers have been around for many years. A lot of great, a lot of great players. Mag- Maglio Ordonez <laughs> and Prince Fielder and Ty Cobb, ladies and gentlemen. Come on, Ty Cobb, Al Kaline, uh, Jack Ty Morris. Cobb. The, 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 you mean Tommy Lee Jones? Exactly. Yeah. That movie sucked. I know. Uh, <laughs> really Tigers Hometown Heroics is all about uh, the great home runs and exciting mm. moments uh, that Tiger fans will never forget, including, by the way, I have to say, the very first Jewish baseball superstar. Oh, wow. Hank Greenberg. There was actually a documentary called The Life and Times of I Hank know. Greenberg. It's which good was, doc. Yeah, it's good. It is. It's all about how he was sort of the first Jewish uh, baseball star. Totally. Anyway, Tigers Hometown Heroics. And finally, we have the uh, St. Louis freaking Cardinals who I don't like because they beat my Mets in 2006 and, and almost made me cry because that was a heartbreaking Game 7. This is St. Louis Cardinals Championship Collection. Uh, these are uh, eight decades of St. Louis Cardinals you know, championship highlights. I could talk about this, very painful. 
Let me just yeah. say that if you love the Cardinals, get it. Although it does annoy me that it is not on Blu-ray. I don't know why Cars. MLB doesn't put. You know, MLB does a great job with their with their iPhone app. It's a great iPhone app. Yeah. They do a great job with all their you know new I, media IMDb? stuff. IMDb. Huh? IMDb or MLB. Oh, MLB. They I do a great you. job with all their new media stuff, but somehow they cannot put this stuff out on Blu-ray. I don't understand why. Yeah, maybe just they don't think it's the audience, right? I guess not. Although it's weird because, like, you know, baseball fans love collecting baseball cards and they yeah. collect base baseballs and they, and they keep tickets, ticket stubs. They, they, they keep score during the game and keep the scorecards. But, like, they wouldn't buy a DVD or a Blu-ray? I, I don't understand that. I don't get it. Oh, wager an idiot. Okay, go all righty. So, um, yes. I'm going to roll through the stack of movies that are classics, catalog titles, right? We've got a whole bunch here. They're all worthy of. I mean, this is a great week for some catalog titles. There are two, in, well, three in particular here that are, are a really big deal. Two, they're a monster deal. One that is just an epic deal. And that'll be the last one I talk about. So, I'm going to roll through this really quickly so we can get to all the rest of this stuff because we got television we got these uh, couple of docs uh, some foreign language things including a criterion and of course Vicky freaking Lawrence let's do it Vicky freaking Lawrence Eunice I'm going to call you Eunice for the rest of the show in honor of Vicky Lawrence the Vicky Lawrence uh, mama's family alright uh, from the Warner Archive collection William Powell at Warner Brothers this is a four pre-code films starring William Powell The Road to Singapore High Pressure Private Detective 62 and The Key uh, William Powell, of course, you know, everyone knows him mostly from The Thin Man, one of those great, fast-talking sophisticates from an era when, you know, you could, you could, you could be that kind of David niven guy. And he's sort of that David Niven model, but a little more neurotic. And, uh, gosh, he could spit dialogue out unbelievably quickly. These films are from, uh, obviously, the pre-code era, early 30s, about 31 to 34. And uh, they are all a lot of fun. Are they Thin Man fun? No, not really. Uh, they're, they're not that good, but they are very good. And uh, he's very good in them. And you can see that he's sort of evolving his persona. Um, they're all rather surprisingly different from what he would eventually do, but again, you can see it sort of evolving in them. Uh, again, the films are The Road to Singapore, High Pressure, Private Detective 62, and The Key. And I'm going to say The Road to Singapore is the best of the four. I really thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, also out, and this is kind of a big deal, Mark, um, Vincent Price in House of Wax uh, 3D. That is on, a big deal. On a, on a Blu-ray 3D, also with a regular Blu-ray. But this is a 3D movie. This is the first 3D movie where I'm going to say, you know what, I'm glad I have this on 3D. Because this was a landmark film. This was the first time 3D was used. Historically. Historically. It makes sense. I mean, it was used in early, you know, the silent era. They tried some 3D stuff. But this was the first kind of major name, marquee movie, movie star era 3D movie. And it was crap. The the 3D absolutely straight up sucks. But, um, you know, you got to kind of give it props. Vincent Price is very cool in the movie. The movie's ridiculous, but it's kitschy, you know? So it has that place in film history. And Warner Brothers did a very, very nice job. Uh, They really, really uh, went to town on this and made sure they preserved the look and the whole deal, the way they always do all their great catalog titles. It, uh, it includes a commentary by David Del Valle and Constantine Nazar, a newsreel, a trailer, and the uh, 1933 Warner Brothers feature, Mystery of the Wax Museum. Those are your extras, and they are perfectly, absolutely satisfactory. Uh, then also from VCI is the uh, DVD and Blu-ray release of And Then There Were None, uh, the uh, rather extraordinarily underrated film from French director René Clair. 
however, you know, English language. And, uh, and then there were none is one of the most famous stories, you know, ever done. It's been done a million times on television. Um, you know, almost every series on TV has an and there were then there were none rip off episode there's even an episode of Charlie's Angels that rips off well, that was the, the classic that's everything that's like everything from Alien to oh, yeah. whenever there's like Absolutely. 10 people and they all get killed off one by one there you so, go so famous she- classic Agatha Christie tale maybe Agatha Christie's most famous tale and uh, this is an absolutely terrific film with a great cast that includes Barry Fitzgerald Walter Houston uh, Roland Young, uh, Judith Anderson. I mean, it's a re- this is just a really, really fabulous film. And uh, VCI and Guy Vivendi worked together to put this out. And having it on Blu-ray is fabulous because it is a really, really good transfer. Uh, nothing went by way of extras, but definitely a Blu-ray of a classic film that is just an archetype that you it just is perfect. Wizard of Oz was recently transferred into 3D. <gasps> I, I hate you. I hate you like a monster. What? Like an evil person. I threatened to kill you on the show for actually liking that damn thing. I did. You're, oh, come on. Seriously. You're a sick human they, being. They, first of all, I want that. Yeah, give me you're just, you're, you, you can have it. Really? Yeah. Yay! You're just, you're just an evil man. Le- okay, they cleaned up this print so well that when you projected this thing on an IMAX screen... The print's been cleaned up forever. IMAX screen. Beautiful. Yeah, this isn't any more... This is the same print that they've used for all previous uh, Blu-ray releases. They just did a, a 3D conversion. They didn't clean the print up any. And it's... And, and, and you know... The, you, you are going to give me that. Yeah. You, you, you don't want it in your collection. That's perfectly fine. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's like, you know, why, why make this 3D? Why do that? And by the way, the 3D was not, it wasn't in your face, it was very respectful. Yeah, I mean, there's, there was no reason to do it, I'm just saying, other than no. to make money. But at least they didn't make, you know, flying monkeys fly out onto the, out of the yeah. TV or out of the well. uh, movie screen. Well, anyway, uh, you know what? So there it is. It's rated PG for the 3D version and G for the non-3D version. Because I guess when those monkeys are 3D, they're a little bit too scary. I mean, come on, 3D is the difference now between ratings? Are you kidding me? This is insane. Why isn't Avatar R then? Why not? Why, that why? made no sense to me. I mean, that, that's just, give me that. Give me this give is give nonsense. Give me, give me. So, uh, give me, give me. No, because you're, you're not going to give it to me. At the end of the show, you're going to forget it. You're going to go, no, I changed my mind. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> madman. You are just truly a madman. Because you were going to forget. Uh, never in a million years. Anyway. Um, and then we have from uh, a couple of movies with Voyage in the title, and actually three movies from the 20th, uh, 20th Century Fox catalog that uh, are really, really cool. The two, the Voyage movies are Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea and Fantastic Voyage, which always get, seem to get released, sometimes in double features. They always get released together. I don't know what it is about Fox that they kind of regard these movies as being part and parcel of the same thing. I, they're not. They're just two different uh, science fiction genre movies from roughly the same period, but totally different films. Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, of course, is the uh, Irwin Allen movie about the, uh, the sea view and uh, was turned into a terrific television series. It was basically like Star Trek uh, underwater in a submarine. But the movie, which stars Walter Pidgeon, is really a lot of fun. And uh, I still think it totally holds up. I think it's one of Irwin Allen's best movies. I uh, highly recommend it. It's great that this is uh, now on Blu-ray. It's a very, very good transfer. Um, features, you know, among all pe- other people, Michael Ansara, you know, who uh, was married to... Uh, to Jeannie, right? You know that. Michael Bar- Bar- Ansara was married to Barbreeden? Bar- That's right. Jeannie married a Klingon. I know it's, wow. it sounds weird to you, but, you know, there we go. And Frankie Avalon's in this as well. And Barbara Eden is in this, by the way. This is the movie they met on. Barbara Eden right? and Michael Ansara, they met on. Yeah, yeah, this is the movie. And then uh, Fantastic Voyage 
Uh, of course, is you know uh, the movie that sort of inspired Inner Space. Uh, many people of a later generation would remember Inner Space. Richard Fleischer directs this very capably. You know, crew of people injected into the a man's bloodstream, and they've got to fight antibodies and the whole thing. Really, a landmark film in terms of uh, special effects at the time. Both of these have some uh, very very good extras, especially Fantastic Voyage with its commentary by uh, uh, film music historian Jeff Bond and an isolated score track. And uh, lots of other behind-the-scenes fun stuff. And then, of course, Voice of the Bottom of the Sea has a commentary by author uh, Tim Colliver and uh, some great documentary material, as well as an interview with Jeannie. Yay! I never found her attractive. Oh, my gosh. What, are you sick? I, didn't, I never, never did. Really? Never did. Are you Swear kidding me? Swear to God. That's no. when my heterosexuality blossomed. <laughs> I, uh, I, I channeled, nope. uh, my goodness, I, I, oh wow, you are, you're a strange man. <laughs> and of course, I love Danny Kaye, cannot get enough of Danny Kaye. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how uh, Walter Mitty turns out with Ben Stiller directing and starring. I hear it's not very funny, it's more kind of existential. Yeah, I think that, uh, I think that uh, at the moment, Ben Stiller, we wanted him to be yeah. kind of out there and funny and interest and just uh, colorful and uh, yeah. fantastic. He winds up playing it. Sentimental and well, anyway. Well, this is uh, Danny Kaye in On the Riviera along with Gene Tierney and Corinne Valve. And uh, you know what, Danny Kaye, I laugh at endlessly. Gene Tierney, I cannot take my eyes off. So that alone is pretty darn great. It is a, this is a really, really fun movie. It got itself a couple of Oscar nominations, and um, it's a really, really good movie. You definitely want to check it out. It's uh, it's one of the one of the, one of Danny Kaye's most charming films. It's just it's delightful. So uh, I'm glad that's on Blu-ray on the Riviera. Classical Hollywood thing. Chucky is back. We have uh, not only the complete Chucky collection in a limited edition Blu-ray set which includes Child's Play, Child's Play 2, Child's Play 3, Bride of Chucky, Seed of Chucky, and Curse of Chucky. Um, but they also have a standalone Curse of Chucky unrated edition with uh, uh, ultraviolet link on it. And uh, so you could get either of those and enjoy what is basically uh, just an overwrought Twilight Zone concept taken to the nth degree. Twilight Zone had, what, three different episodes about murderous dolls? It was like, you know, well, the Telly-Savalas one. Well, the Telly one, Talking Tina, and then is it, was it, uh, what's the other one with the, with the ventriloquist act? Well, there was the one with um, Cliff Robertson. Cliff Robertson, that's the Cliff Robertson one, yeah. You know, Talking Tina, that's the... the By the way, for those who don't know, Cliff anyway. Robertson is the one who played... Uh, Charlie. No, he, Char- no, he's the, well, yes, but... He played Henry he, Ford in the miniseries. No, he's the one who played uh, Spider-Man's uncle in the Tobey Maguire oh, Spider-Man. good grief. Well, I'm saying the... You think uh, that's how a whole generation remembers the guy who won an Oscar for Charlie? Yes, I do. Good grief. <laughs> anyway, uh, the Chucky films on Blu-ray are, you know, fine, I, I guess. Uh, I mean, it's a doll. It kills people. I, I don't really know how, how you know, they're, they're shot pretty dark. I don't know how, how great you need the Chucky movies to be, to be honest. But, um, you know, they are what they are. Uh, so that's out there. And then uh, Monty Python's The Meaning of Life is on Blu-ray, along with Ultraviolet, if that means this has anything been on, to you. You know what? Meaning of Life? It hasn't been on life? Ultraviolet before. Piffle. Well, I mean, The Meaning of Life and uh, Life of Brian, uh, Holy Grail, yeah. they've been on Blu-ray, DVD so many times. Well, uh, I don't think Meaning of Life has been on Blu-ray yet. Really? No, 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 no. Hang on. Let me just check that. Hold on, hold well, on. If that's the case, you give me that too. Uh, meaning of Life. Nope, this is the Blu-ray debut. Really? Yep. 
Bango. Wow, I stand corrected. My Python's Meaning of Life, which includes uh, bonus features that have been out before, actually. Uh, feature commentary with Terry Jones and Terry Gilliam, the two Terrys, very, very nice. And uh, the, uh, the short En Film de John Cleese, which is incredibly funny, and then a whole bunch of uh, little tid other little uh, anecdotal things that are uh, incredibly funny. And um, a prologue by Eric Idle, of course. Uh, and then the thing that is unique to the Blu-ray this time is the meaning of Monty Python 30th anniversary reunion and a sing-along version. Fantastic. And this, of course, was the last film that the Monty Python troupe made together um, before Graham Taylor, of course, uh, passed away. Aww. Yeah, and uh, I got to tell you, uh, every time I'm in a situation where I've eaten too much and I, uh, I say, get me a bucket, I'm going to throw up. There's always one person in the room who starts laughing hysterically. And I know that person is a kindred spirit. <laughs> Every single time. And, and uh, does that person ask, ask the waiter, give that big fat man, <laughs> give him a wafer. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, right? Uh, wow. A Blu-ray and ultraviolet release of The Exorcist. I want that. Which includes the extended uh, director's cut and the original theatrical version. Uh, the uh, I have to say the extended director's cut is something I am not all that fond of. I, mm. I tend to be very freaking is. I know he is, but uh, the original theatrical version is the one that I am fond of and that I still think works the best. So uh, I know Friedkin prefers his version, but you know what? Uh, there are a lot of directors who prefer their director's cuts, and, oh. and I I think they overdo it. I mean, well, since you're not giving me that, are you? Are you kidding me? I'm this going to have the, to make a note. This is a beautiful puppy. Uh, anyway, so uh, disc one, extended director's cut, disc two, original theatrical version. Then there's a 40-page book that includes a whole lot of William Friedkin's diaries on it. And then a third disc with uh, tons and tons and tons of special features, including Beyond Compre Comprehension, William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist. And uh, there's a new documentary here called Talk of the Devil, which is, is just uh, really, really chilling uh, as it gets into the real story. Look at you. Mm -hmm. For years, I got this. I think My I got goodness. this literally. I kid you not. In 1999, That's this is quite the honking set, isn't it? This is an Exorcist DVD set, which was a big, big deal. It has an amazing full-color book. It's My such goodness. pristine. You know, I should probably sell this on eBay, right? You should. Yeah, right. Yeah, totally. You know what? Yeah. I, I was gonna. You know what? I'm gonna sell this on eBay. Do that. Anyway, I got to tell you, the Exorcist in Blu-ray. Really flawless, really flawless. They did a great job. All the grain is still there, and it's a really grainy movie. You know, if you remember, it has an actual uh, a frame of uh, the film. Oh, that's nice. That's good. Good for you. That's good for you. I'm proud of you. Would you like a cookie? Would you like some ice cream? <gasps> yeah, you you got to make it because I ate all the rest of it. Anyway, no, it's 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 really good. It preserves the grain. It's pristine. Looks beautiful. It's really, it's just fantastic. And then here is, here is the big mama this week, Mark. This is the big mama. This is uh, my pick of the week of anything coming out this week. One of the greatest films ever made in the history of movies, ever, 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 mm -hmm. has been released by Warner Brothers in what is one of the most gorgeous Blu-rays I have ever seen. King Vidor's The Big Parade. Uh, those who are familiar with this, this is not the... the uh, the Chen Kaiga Chinese film, The Big Parade. This is the uh, silent masterpiece, The Big Parade, uh, starring John Gilbert. And it is truly uh, an extraordinary film that Warner Brothers has made an extraordinary Blu-ray for. It's a Blu-ray book format with a 64-page book that has extensive notes uh, from uh, silent film historian Kevin Brownlow, 
who I actually have uh, had the privilege of speaking to a few times. Uh, He's great. Well, Kevin Brownlow wrote the, the magnum opus biography of David Lean, which is one of the, it's arguably the best biography I've ever read. Not just the best film biography, the best biography ever written about anyone. It is an incredible book, his biography, David Lean, Kevin Brownlow. You ha if you haven't read it, you have to. If you read only one book about a filmmaker in your life, that's the one you have to read. Uh, but Brownlow is essentially not just a David Lean scholar, he is a silent film scholar. And uh, I actually hit him up at one point to try and track him. You hit down. on him? I hit on him, man. Hit on him hard. Uh, yeah, he, I hit him up once to uh, help me track down a silent film that my father had acted in, which uh, apparently, for all intents and purposes, is lost. But uh, he was a wonderful resource and uh, is just a sweet man. Wonderful notes on this film uh, as to why you should appreciate it. But forget about why. You know you, why you should appreciate it when you watch it because you just go, I didn't know silent movies could be like this. You watch this and you go, I thought silent movies were, I mean, like, Buster Keaton is great and Chaplin's great. And I get it. I've seen silent movies and Keystone Cops. But, like, when you watch this, you, you realize this is like, this is, you know, a silent movie that is done with the sophistication and the fluid camera elegance and the editorial elegance of movies from 20 and 30 years later. Like, you know, a widescreen epic from the 1960s like Lawrence of Arabia is not more sophisticated than this is. It is an incredible filmmaking effort from King Vidor at a time when he, should, he, was, he was really pushing the envelope. It is, of course, a World War I story, and uh, it is breathtaking, just breathtaking. You, you will not see 10 better movies probably in your entire life. Uh, in addition to the book, you also get an audio commentary um, with, um, uh, by historian Jeffrey Vance uh, with King Vidor, believe it or not. And uh, then, by the way, that's, you know, King, not that King Vidor is even alive anymore, but just pointing that out. Uh, so that was recorded some time back. And then vintage short from uh, 1925 called Studio Tour, which is awfully fun, and the trailer. So this is just absolutely fantastic. Um, cannot say enough. It's just such a gorgeous transfer. Such a gorgeous, gorgeous transfer. Outstanding film on every conceivable level. Uh, Mark, we're going to talk about doc documentaries now and I'm going to let you... I can't, even, I can't even go there. So you have to start this conversation because I, I get completely apoplectic when talking about this movie. Well, I want you to I get the, I get, I, get the, I get the shakes. I don't know what that means, but I want you to be it. Okay. Uh, one of the more... One of the odder documentaries of last year is a little ditty called Room 237, <laughs> and uh, this was directed by a guy named Rodney Asher, <laughs> and he deconstructs Stanley Kubrick's uh, The Shining from 1980, and he pretty much lays on thick all of these ridiculous connections to Native American mysticism, and he takes every frame of this movie and, and just assigns it meaning that couldn't possibly have been in anybody's mind when no. the movie was made. I mean, this thing, I, I, I thought it was a... Uh, to me, it's a comedy. I just don't get it. I can't, to me, it's not even a comedy. I, 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 find, I find the people so pathetic, so anally retentive on a level, so psychotic in their, in their determination to see symbolism where there clearly isn't any, that they, they construct these elaborate schematic concepts of... I mean, like, as if Kubrick sat around... And really thought all this crap through. It's like, you, do you have any idea? The thing what, is that anybody, if, if any director would have sat around, he would have done that, it. it would have been him. But do you realize what goes into making a movie? It is such a random process on so many levels that there's no way it's like you the, the, the pattern of the rug and the, the way they like, like in the in the in the in the freezer, the cans with the Native American oh, logo. Stop! On it. Oh, stop! Go away! And I mean, you know, just glorifying these people, giving them their ten minutes of fame in a movie. 
it, it's a tedious film. It, it made me want to just kill myself. I, I just wanted to, and I wanted to kill them. I kill wanted, yourself. I wanted, I wanted to do like a whole Jim Jones deal. It just, it was awful. I wanted to just take them with me off a cliff. Horrible. So this is Room 237. So aggravating. This includes a commentary with uh, Kevin MacLeod, and he adds uh, some stuff, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then a panel discussion from a uh, Stanley uh, Kubrick Film Festival, uh, panel discussion from the first annual Stanley Kubrick Film Festival, uh, 11 deleted scenes, which is way more than you need, and then um, uh, Mondo, po- the uh, the... You know, you know, you know the Mondo poster design people. Sure, they they were involved in the making of this film and the distribution of the film, and uh, they talked to one of the Mondo poster designers, uh, Al Aled Lewis. Who, by the way, those Mondo posters are great. But I'm just saying they talked to Aled Lewis, who had to do with the um, the poster design of this film. So there you go. Um, I think this movie is ridiculous. I just don't get it, and I would not watch it again. Yep, ever. I agree with you. And then uh, Crystal Lake Memories: The Complete History of Friday the Thirteenth. Has been out, of course, many times before, but not in a Blu-ray set. And uh, the complete Friday the Thirteenth, of course, was recently released in a, a gigantic Blu-ray set. And like the whole Friday the Thirteenth thing, they you know all the different studios, all the way to Freddy and Jason, and all that crap. Anyway, this is a Blu-ray DVD combo set of Crystal Lake Memories. And uh, as you know, as all I mean, is it is it like amazing on Blu-ray? Not really. I mean, it's uh, you know if you have it on DVD, you've, you've pretty much seen this thing as as well as you need to see it. But if you want something to complement the new Blu-ray set of all the Friday the 13th movies, I guess this is uh, the perfect thing to kind of uh, toss alongside it in the shelf. It certainly is thorough. It is comprehensive. And uh, if you're obsessive about these films, um, this is a perfect companion piece. But I wouldn't say that it's any kind of like great docu- film you know, making of documentary. It's more of a fan thing is what it is. Uh, let's see. Where's Vicki Lawrence? Vicki Lawrence. You know, we're going to get Vicki Lawrence in just a moment. Just a moment. Let's go, through some, let's go through some new films, and then we'll get to a television in Vicky Lawrence. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, Hangover Part 3. Mark? Um, this was terrible. It's time you know to what? put it away. The end. Better, Bye. Better than Part 2, but still terrible. Yes. You, part you, 2 you, was a, 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 just abortive. This well, was Because you realize whatever. that what was great about the first film was the, st- was the structure. Yeah. Was its structure and the fact that who is Zach Galifianakis? That guy is out of control. Totally. And it was just wild and profane and a big surprise. And you know what? By the second one, the surprise is, is no surprise anymore. No. By the third one, they're running on fumes. Yeah, totally. I could not like this film less. Yep. I could I, like it less. I concur with you entirely. Exactly. Uh, but anyway, it is a Blu-ray DVD combo with uh, Ultraviolet on it. And, um, you know, they got a bunch of crap on the special features. But, I mean, you know, only if this cast drives you just into such a frenzy uh, would I recommend this. If you can overlook all the other flaws, I cannot. Look, Wade. Yes, sir. I would love to um, hate Joss Whedon. There's something about him I would love to hate him, but I can't because I thought The Avengers was a good film. I thought he nailed yeah. it. It was a tough assignment, but he did it. I get it. I refuse to see this, by the way. You know what? Much Ado About Nothing. You've got to respect the fact that the guy comes. The guy literally does the third highest grossing film of all time and then follows it up by shooting a no-budget version of Much Ado About Nothing in his own house. Yes. Contemporary. With his buddies. Contemporary in yeah. black and white. With and his that's, buddies. And that's why I didn't want to see it. Because I, I so love the Kenneth Branagh version. I mean, look, here's, here's can how much... You at least, uh, can you at least acknowledge that the guy who directed the third highest grossing film of all time could have gone and done Star Wars 56, but instead he shoots yes. a film in his own house I, on his own expense, and, and it's Shakespeare. Good for him. Thank you. 
good for him. But okay, you go, know, go say something. I, I, <laughs> here's how much I love the Kenneth Branagh film. Uh. I love the Kenneth Branagh film so much. My wife loves the Kenneth Branagh film so much. We named our daughter after a character in the film. That's how much we love that film. So that's why I can't tarnish my memory, especially at this point in time. Because, I mean, we actually play music. You realize this, right? The song, you know, nobody's no more. Is that Mata Hoople, all the undies? There you go. No, no, you know, finally, finally. You know that I'm talking about the song. No, I didn't. Hey, Nani, Nani, the whole deal, right? Okay. We play that for the baby. Okay, here's the thing. It's like her theme. Okay, here's what is upsetting. What's upsetting? You didn't name your daughter after a character in the play. You named your daughter after a character in the Kenneth Branagh adaptation of the play. You better believe it. <laughs> anyway, I think this thing is terrific. You know what? God love uh, uh, Joss Whedon. I was not a big Joss Whedon fan. I didn't get the Firefly. I didn't get the thing with the girl runs around. I didn't know any of that yeah. stuff. But I was on board with Avengers, so I get it. So I, kudos to him. And I love the fact that he followed it up with this. And this thing is energetic and it's charming and it's fun. And it's low budge, but it's just, it's definitely a, it's a, it is a labor of love. And you don't get a lot of those much anymore, especially from directors of his, uh, his prestige and ilk. So I would definitely check out Much Ado About Nothing. Don't worry about it being all Shakespeare-y. Yeah. Don't get all intimidated by the Shakespeareness of it. It's still very cool, says me. Now, Wade, there was an animated film. Uh, earlier this year yeah and I thought to myself Ugh, this is just going to be terrible and uh, it turns out it was terrible it was called The Croods now um, oh, you know DreamWorks they don't, they don't really have the, uh, the animated cachet that uh, Pixar has or they, they, even they, some they, of the higher end but Shrek but Shrek, it was, but Shrek been, is they, done now that's yeah, done I know they, they've been living on the Shrek fumes for a while yes um, so it's pretty funny it's fast paced it's uh, got a decent voice cast, including Nicolas Cage and uh, Ryan Reynolds, and of course Emma Stone and Cloris Leachman. Yeah. Um, and it's—I thought it was fine. It's not as good as uh, How to Train Your Dragon, which no. I liked a lot. Yeah. Um, but I think The Croods is totally fine. If you know, if you got kids or if you're younger and you're like, you know what? I've seen all the Pixar stuff. I've seen all the DreamWorks stuff. Yep. You know what? Check out The Croods. It's not going to blow you away, but it could do a lot worse. Of course, because this is a straight one-to-one transfer onto Blu-ray, it looks amazing. And the audio is great, and there's three discs. Um, and Wade, you get the free Crude's coloring app oh, if you would like nice. to put that on your uh, on your phone. I am going to get that for Christmas. The Crude's. Yeah, whatever. And um, we have got a little old thing here called Blood, which uh, I'm going to really recommend. It's got a terrific cast, including Paul Bettany, who I always like, Mark Strong, who's fantastic. You yes. watching, you're watching Low Winter Sun? You're watching Low Winter Sun on AMC? I, I, I am not. Come on, you got to watch Low Winter Sun, man. It's great. It's I, Mark, I, I, Str- Mark I, I, Strong did that originally as a British series, and mm-hmm. he's now it's transplanted to Detroit, and he's re- reprising the same character. That's great. Fantastic. That's great. Uh, and then uh, Stephen Graham and Brian Cox. Uh, it is. Uh, this is one of those just fabulously... Just rich, gritty um, British crime films, and uh, I, I wish this had gotten a theatrical release. You know, just the fa- Brian Cox can you, uh, you could point a camera at best. Brian Cox and just have him grumble for two hours, and I would be riveted. He's the best. Something about Brian Cox, yep, man. He's cool. Anyway, uh, it's about two brothers who are detectives, and uh, they are trying to um, catch a killer. And uh, all of the nuances here, which uh, include Brian Cox as an ex-cop and, uh, you know, some, some interesting little kind of shady twists and turns, really, really cool. It's really cool. It is, um, it's, a, it's, it's almost on a level of uh, Serpico, almost like a, like a British Serpico kind of thing. 
It really is cool, and uh, it's a beautiful Blu-ray. Did a really, really good job transferring this. And it, what, again, it, what makes me really sad is I look at this and I just think, you know what, 20, 25 years ago, this would have been a theatrical release. Somebody like Miramax or you know, Sony Classics would have released it, and it would have done really, really well. It might even have gotten an Oscar nomination for somebody like Paul Bettany or maybe even Brian Cox. And now it's just, um, it's just spat out there, and people are going to miss it if they aren't aware of it. So by all means, check that out. Blood is a really, really sharp movie. Uh, Wade and I are about to disagree on This is the End, which is the uh, film with James Franco, Jonah Hill, Seth Rogen, uh, Jay Baruchel, Danny McBride, Craig Robinson. I like this film. I think this is one of those movies where you just, and I told Wade this in an email, one of those films where you just feel like the inmates are running the asylum, doing whatever the hell they want. Yeah. They're self-deprecating. They're being funny. It's just ridiculous humor that is just... It's, it, I thought this thing was funny. I laughed. You know, I, it's I, just one of those crazy movies where you just feel like these guys are untethered and you feel like, the, you feel like all the suits watched this film and said... I am offended and horrified, but if that's what the kids think is funny, go ahead and do it. I like that it's self-deprecating. I think the idea is clever. I love the self-referential stuff that they, they mock all of their own failures. They mock, you know, uh, y- y- your highness, and they mock uh, the, the Green Hornet. And they, you know, they really, they, they, they take pokes at all these. Everybody really, really takes the air out of their own reputation. I, I appreciate that part of it. But it gets tedious. There are two things I don't like about it. Number one, I think uh, Seth Rogen and What's-His-Face's partner, who co-wrote and co-directed it. Um, what the hell's his name? I always forget his name. Seth Rogen and Flumini Hamshinzimsk. Evan Goldberg. Evan Goldberg, thank you. I, I think their direction is, it gets pedestrian in a couple of places. Namely, any time there's a, there's a shot that requires some big... Uh, oh, how did they do that? You know, where, where you're, like, they're combining CGI, something like is flying through the door, or something is happening in the frame. It is intentionally, consciously designed to emphasize, look, we have some kind of CGI thing happening here, and we want you to wonder how we did it. So it draws attention to the fact that it's a composite, and it comes off as being kind of, you know, trying too hard. And the other thing is, honestly, do we have to have all of the, like, porn jokes and masturbation jokes? And it's just like the, I mean, like, like the juvenile pot-smoking uh, penis humor crap. It was fine and super bad because it was contextual. But here it's like they're doing it just to, to say, like, we're like Tarantino, except we're going to use the word jism a lot. But I, 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 I it's think... Like, I don't... I, that's not funny. No, I... Well, here's the thing. First of all, when it comes to the effects, I, I, I don't care what the effects Whatever. are. I'm, I'm not here for the effects. Yeah. But I just feel like that sort of humor says to me, while these guys were making the film, they're like, I cannot believe we were handed $30 million to make this movie. I know. And I just, I love that sense of anarchy to it. Yeah. And again, look, is it too long? Does it go on and on? Is it yeah. repetitive? All that sort of stuff. Yes, I get that. But you know what? It had a great energy, and I liked it. That was really funny. All right, I got uh, three more movies here. Uh, Mark's got one. I got a couple of space movies, and then we're going to get into uh, Vicki Lawrence. Uh, first of all, After Earth. Jaden Smith and Will Smith. Uh, basically, Will Smith's attempt to uh, let his son climb onto his shoulders, his star shoulders, and try to turn his son into a movie star ain't gonna happen. Jaden Smith, not a movie star. No personality. So-so actor, but not, not gonna happen. Uh, so y- y- go find some other career. Do something else, dude. Seriously, it's just not gonna happen. M, M. Night Shyamalan? Dude, if this doesn't kill his career once and for all... His, I, I, his I career mean, is like... He, un- has, he, he is like a zombie. He just keeps coming back from the it's dead. It's unbelievable. It's like, I, I mean, how many times are people... Go- is he going to tank a, a film? Is he going to take $100 million and just light it on fire? Just pour kerosene onto $100 million and just burn it into ashes and just say, hey, sorry. How many times does he get to do that? 
I mean, truly. His movies have now lost... The last number of his movies have lost more money than his first two or three hits actually made. It's, he is now into net negative territory as far as his movies. He is a net loser. He is the kiss of death. Who, why do they keep hiring him? I don't understand. I don't know. I, Make you know him what? do a little movie again. He needs to do a little movie Unbelievable. He needs to work in Europe. He needs to do oh. a little movie again. He needs, to do, Aggravating. He, he needs to do something that's just an easy layup. Right. Well, uh, anyway, uh, everybody knows about this movie now. You know, it's like they come back to Earth, and Earth's an inhospitable place, and there's a whole lot of bad CGI that has contaminated the Earth, and they have to clean up the bad CGI, and they, of course, get consumed by the bad CGI, and then there's like a lot of crap on the Blu-ray, uh, DVD, UV, ultraviolet combo, and none of it is interesting because the movie's not interesting, and there's an alternate opening, and you watch it, and you go, that would have sucked, too. That, that, I just don't understand it. Uh, that would have sucked worse. And uh, then there's a lot of stuff on pre-visualizing the future, and you look at it and you go, um, you know, your pre-visualization is actually better than the effects that wound up in the movie. You should have you gone with that. Aww. Terrible. Um, much better, actually, and what I'm surprised did not get more traction is Europa Report. I like this film a lot. It's sharp, right? Yep, I like sharp. it. Yep. L- like, like very 2001 slash Alien-y. Right? It is, you know, this it kind of sits. Well, let's say 2001: Alien and Moon. It kind of sits some, or maybe Outland a little bit. Doesn't Outland is a little sit, more straight thrillerish. It, it's, but it's, it's, you know, I would say, I would say Moon. This movie is. It's so. I love the fact that it is so. Uh, it, it's not trying too hard. It doesn't. It's not. That's it. Not trying too hard. And I, the fact that it has a, a no-name cast. Yes. That there are no big stars in it. You don't look at it and you go, ooh, that's Vin Diesel. Cool, he's going to kick some ass. And it, yeah, or, or, oh, look at that. Oh, that's Harry Dean Stanton. He's going to die. It no, has a they, certain... They, no. it, it does. It just has a certain modesty to it and bare-bones feeling yeah. to it that I just think is so interesting. A lot so of production value. A lot but of production value. But it's not production budget. value that throws itself at you. And it's very yeah. contemplative. Mm-hmm. He, I, I'm, I'm going to say this right now. Yeah. And I just thought of this. I'm not even sure I believe it, yep. but I'm going for it. Go for it. If gravity, which as people know on the mm-hmm. Facebook page, if gravity blew my mind, yep. gra- gravity blew my mind yep. visually. It blows everybody's mind. But in terms of the rest of it, I have problems. But yeah. still, it blew, yeah. blew my mind so much, I don't care. If gravity, if the end of gravity yeah. or any part of gravity sure. made me feel like Europa Report made me feel when they finally blah, blah, the blah, blah, yeah. and you start to contemplate your place in the universe and oh my god this amazing thing that just happened if it gave me that feeling from a thematic level then gravity would really be I agree the next with you. 2001 I agree with you. really a good directing job from Sebastian Cordero who is a uh, an Ecuadorian filmmaker which you know it's like wow from Ecuador to Hollywood making a film like this he's going to get some big big gigs very soon um, and yep. you know his, he's never made anything on this level, but uh, this is gonna this will really elevate him into the uh, the A list territory. People are gonna watch this. He can go around Hollywood. This is with this as a calling card. He can now go into any studio. He can go to any meeting. Any fr- any he, he can be on the list of the guys who will direct the next big franchise installment of something. People he, will look at him like he's a new Del Toro. Absolutely, some guy from some Straight crazy up. country who did this little film. And uh, I'm telling you, straight Europa up, report. all he needs to do is work that accent. Walk into, walk, and he went to USC. I mean, it's not like he's you know he's he's a, he's a newcomer to Hollywood, but he can walk into a meeting, work that accent, and say, "I want to make a movie, <laughs> and uh, I am a crazy genius. You stay out of my way. I do what I want." And and he'll it'll work. It's just that seduces people. Uh, speaking of things that work, let's talk about Stuck in Love. Stuck in Love is a has a great cast: Greg Kinnear, uh, Jennifer Connelly, Lily Collins, right on, and uh, Kristen Bell. Uh, 
Kinnear plays a novelist who got divorced a couple of years ago, and of course he's still obsessed over his ex-wife, and he's kind of like spying on his ex-wife. So he's got to kind of work with that, and then he meets his neighbor, played by Kristen Bell. It's yep. kind of like a friends with benefits thing, yep. and so he basically it's about this divorced guy and novelist who's got to get back on his feet. And I have to say that I found this movie completely unsurprising and completely cliched, but yet somehow totally adequately fine. Mama's Family is finally out. It is out on, uh, on DVD, the complete series, uh, all six seasons, in a fantastic box set that is just so extraordinary. Uh, it, it, that, that has, you know... Uh, it, I mean, it's a great big, freaking beautiful, beautiful box with just hours and hours and hours of bonus features, including the cast reunion and uh, some interviews with Vicki Lawrence and Carol Burnett. And it's just unbelievable. The funny thing on there with Vicki Lawrence uh, actually interviewing herself as Mama, hysterical. And uh, it also includes the, uh, the TV movie Eunice, which is also, which was sort of the spinoff from the Carol Burnett show that inspired the sitcom. So there's a, there's a TV movie that kind of sits between the two of them. Even still, the complete series out in an amazing box set. You can also get them individual, the individual seasons one and two. Um, you know, this is a legendary show, not just because it spun off from the Carol Burnett show, but because it survived all of these bizarre changes. Ken Berry played two different characters on the show uh, at various times. It's, it, it was on network for two seasons, and then it returned in syndication without two major cast members, uh, Rue McClanahan and Betty White. I mean, think of that. Vicki Lawrence played Betty White's mom in those first two seasons. She played Betty White's mom. How funny is that? And then they lost Rue McClanahan and Betty White to the Golden Girls and came back in first run syndication with a you know, new cast and you know, the whole new deal and somehow became even more popular. An amazingly resilient show. And of course it all centers around Vicki Lawrence playing the, the, this caustic grandmother mother character and she's wonderful. And it's a wonderful thing. And I had a great chance to talk to Vicki Lawrence on the phone and here is my chat with Vicki Lawrence. Uh, we are speaking with Vicki Lawrence, who uh, has to be waxing somewhat philosophical over the final arrival on DVD of The Complete Mama's Family, which is such a fascinating piece of television history. Uh, looking back on it, I mean, it, it feels like, to me, like it still was on television yesterday. I, I don't know how it feels to you, but it, it's... It, it just feels still so unbelievably fresh and uh, incredibly timely. Oh, thanks. Yeah, well, you know, it ran on TV somewhere up until just a few years ago, actually. Um, and I'm just uh, so pleased and proud to know that Mama's Family is a lot of people's guilty little pleasure. and Because uh, it was a funny little hybrid of a show, and it was, done in a time and a way that television wasn't really done, you know. We were first-run syndication back before we were ever recognized by the Academy, or we were sort of little orphan children doing our well, show, and yeah. Well, you know, it, it's the, the interesting thing to me is that there aren't a lot of television sitcoms that were that evolved out of sketch comedy. There, you know, sketches are usually 
things that work on a one-off basis and don't necessarily provide characters that can sustain over the long haul. And you know, to, uh, the only ones I can recall is is Ab Fab and The Simpsons and Mama's Family, and that's that's oh, a pretty. Oh, we came up with the honeymooners. We came up with the honeymooners. Yeah, true. That's right. That's there too. Uh, yeah. Well, the Honeymooners and the Simpsons are the ones we came up with. But and then Ab Fab in the UK. That's yeah. pretty. That's pretty elite company to be in. Yeah. I, and and yeah, the thing, the, you know, the thing that fascinates me. I mean, I watched the show when I was a kid on on the Carol Burnett show, and I kind of followed it through all of its incarnations, including the 1982 movie, which you got an Emmy for, uh, nomination for. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. It, and it's fascinating to me that it, it how it evolved. Ken Berry, I think, played two different characters over the course of the run, didn't he? There is there yeah, it's best not to really go back and try to sort it all. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really a mess. Yeah, uh Ken Berry played Vinton in or he played uh Philip in the movie. Yeah. Eunice. And then he played Vinton on the series. Um Roddy McDowell played Philip on the Carol Burnett show. Uh, there were a couple of, you know, we used to have guest stars, which I didn't realize till Carol told me. She said, yeah, we would have guest stars that would specifically request on the Burnett show uh, wanting to be in that sketch because they loved the, the family sketches so much. So I had, I mean, I remember Maggie Smith played a school teacher in one of the episodes, uh, one of the sketches. Um, uh, Alan Alda played one of my sons. Tommy Smothers played one of my sons. They're, oh, that's I right. Cannot even tell you their names, and they're long gone. <laughs> and uh, and then in the Eunice movie, Mama died, um, only to be reincarnated for the series. It's kind of like who shot Jr. Right. You know, it just it's just don't try to examine it too carefully. Well, in hindsight too, I just I I get I'm so tickled that you you played Betty White's mom. There's just something so Well, I think I was the youngest person in my cast. <laughs> Aside from the teenagers, I was the youngest person in my cast. Now, let's just talk about Mama as a character. I I mean, did you to on whom did you draw to create her because she's she's a little bit like Debbie Reynolds in the Albert Brooks film Mama, she's this this kind of iconic mother that everyone knows. Everyone says, "That's my mom. That's my grandma. That's my aunt." She seems to be this amalgam of someone from everyone's family. How did how did the character come to be? Well, I think first of all, the the uh, original sketch was so well written. Um, it was two of our writers that both basically hated their mothers, so uh, <laughs> they kind of created this homage to their dysfunctional families. And they wrote this fabulous mother character for Carol. Uh, but when she saw the uh, the final draft of the sketch, she she said, it, it is Eunice uh, that speaks to me, and that's the part I want to play. So it was very upsetting to the writers. And then she said, I think Vicky should play Mama. That was doubly upsetting to them. And then when we got into rehearsal, she said, you guys, I mean, this is nothing if not uh, uh, Tennessee Williams gone nuts. So we have got to do it. She said, we have got to do it Southern. So the writers actually walked out the first time they saw us do it. And they said, you've ruined it. And um, you, you've ruined our beautiful piece. And, of course, you know, it got so much feedback from the fans that uh, that they had to write them many, many... I mean, they couldn't write them fast enough. It would take them like three weeks to write one of those sketches. Wow. And uh, Carol was at the door with a whip. 
<laughs> wow. Hurry up. Because she loved those. I think arguably her favorite character on the show and her favorite sketches to do were the family sketches. But, you know, back in the day, I think I was the supporting female on Carol's show, and uh, I played a lot of strange old women. I mean, you know, she would be Shirley Temple. I would be the mean old school marm. She would be uh, the princess. I would be the wicked witch. Um, she was Eunice. I was Mama. Uh, it's just kind of what I did. So I, you know, just really tried to do an older version of her. I'd had a southern mother-in-law for a nanosecond. Uh, so I had a little southern mother to draw on. Um, and probably, I think, down the road in hindsight, I look at my own mother, who was a little left of center, and think, well, I probably drew on her a little bit, too, without really even knowing it. Well, it, it it's a it, it's just so universal, and uh, it you know everyone gets a smile on their face whenever you, you talk about the show. I, the thing that that I think everyone kind of remembers really pivotally is that it's one of those shows at a crucial point in time, and there were I think only two or three other shows were able to do this. Baywatch, obviously, being the most famous example where they had the plug pulled on them, the rug pulled out from under them on network television, and with that never-say-die attitude said, you know what, we're going to go to first-run syndication and make this work. And you did. You made it work incredibly well, albeit with a, with a few tweaks and changes, because I, I guess Betty White and Rue McClanahan had moved on to the Golden Girls. Is that what had happened? Yeah, I lost them both. After we were yeah. canceled on NBC, that's right when the Golden Girls happened, and I lost both of them. So I mean, that's when, doubly impressive. Yeah. You're losing crucial cast members, right going on. to first-run syndication, <laughs> you know, kind of limping, and then suddenly it's more popular than ever. I mean, that's really that's remarkable. How, how, did, how did that transition? I mean, was there a little bit of uh, apprehension, a little bit of... Some some nerves at the time about going through. I'm that? sure there was much apprehension, and I look back at what our writers had to uh, hurdle, and their job was enormous. Uh, it really was, because uh, when we first went on NBC, um, Joe Hamilton, our executive producer, who was Carol's husband, mm-hmm. uh, sold that show to Grant Tinker, who was the CEO of NBC at the time. It's like a television history lesson, my you know. Yeah. I, I look back at all this, and it's like television history. But anyway, uh, he sold it to him on the golf course without a pilot. And uh, so it was our writers had the difficult task of figuring out who Mama's family was while we were on the ground running. And they had to, they they knew that they had Carol and Harvey for a few episodes, but they knew that they had to phase them out. Uh, they had to find the antagonism. They had to find the whole, you know, everything that was going to make it work. Um, and they had to change it basically from Eunice's family to Mama's family while we were on the air. It was a very different... I mean, I know that I had character issues because I, I think Mama was very different. Well, I know she was very different on The Burnett Show than she ultimately ended up being on the series. And I could feel that when we went into production. I just it didn't feel right. It felt strident and mean and angry and cold and you know, one-dimensional, and oh my God, what am I going to do? And I threw my hands up and said, "Stop the, stop the presses! What you got to bring Harvey in to help me?" Right. And um, and he said, "You know, you've got to make her a silly sitcom character now." And I I was just kind of baffled, like, "How do I do that, Harvey?" Because I don't think she's ever even smiled. Said, but but, she <laughs> but that's is the joy you. of it too, you know, is is that she never smiles. I mean, the the anger becomes. Um, almost, I mean, because I've talked to a lot of people about this, especially leading up to this interview, and and they said, you know what, it's a, it, 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 someone who never smiles 
is funnier than someone who is always smiling and always laughing because well, there's she so much pent ended up, up smiling a lot though. She act- ended up being a pretty silly character. Yes. And there was really not anything that she couldn't do. I mean, my fans bought her doing just about anything on the on the series. I mean, ultimately really Harvey set her free. He said, "Just remember that you are the characters you play, and anything that you can do, she can do." And so she did. She did karate. She did uh, Lamage. She mm-hmm. did uh, dirty dancing. She did run for mayor. She, she did all that stuff. You know, she, she ended up being a really fun character to play. And and you know, to me, that's where it all is. I mean, it really is that character because, again, as we talked about, I mean, you 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 know, lost cast members moving from the sketch to the first incarnation of the show. Lost more cast members going into the first one syndication. And yet fans rallied around the show because they didn't, I don't think they cared about, you know, what actor was playing whom or what changes had been made or who had been lost or who was being replaced. As long as Mama was there surrounded by her dysfunctional family, the comedy was genuine. And, well, you uh, know, as Harvey always said to me, the mother is the center of the family. He said to me many times, he said, you got the character. Carol gave you the character. And I have said, you, this is, she is yet another gift from Carol because... She didn't. She didn't feel that part. But he said, a mother, mother is the centerpiece of any family. Well, that's a great point. And and you know, it's really funny. There are uh, there are a handful of family tree maps out there on the internet. I'm not sure <laughs> any of them agree. Um, but it's it's quite it's quite amusing to see the uh, the way they all interconnect. Because I, again, I don't think it really matters to people. It's just it's just mama surrounded by this. Uh, this just wonderfully colorful collection of characters. Yeah, well, as is life, surrounded by your wonderfully colorful. We did. They did a darling little booklet for our DVD set that has. And, I, and that's where I wanted to go. Is you know before we run out of time here, the uh, the, the DVD collections series one and two are out, and I, I assume the, the rest of the seasons will will follow in short order. And of course, this beautiful complete series box set, uh-huh. which they really, really did a great number on. Uh, I mean, you have to be happy about that. I'm so thrilled that there is finally a beautiful, loving uh, homage to this dysfunctional family, finally, yeah. that I can hold in my hands. It's great. I'm proud of this little show. It's, well, it's, it's, a, it's one of those, it really is a piece of television history. I think it's, Yeah, uh, it is. It, you know, we were, we were watching not too long ago the, uh, the wedding part. We were watching the wedding, in particular right. the wedding part too. And I said to Al, and we were laughing at how hysterically funny both Carol and Harvey were in that particular episode. I mean, Harvey makes me cry, and Carol, of course, just is hysterical. And I said, you could just stop this DVD at any given point and give your kids a television history lesson because my supporting cast is Betty White and Rue McClanahan and Carol Burnett and Harvey Corman and Dorothy Lyman and Ken Berry. It's like, for God's sake, how much help does one girl get? Yeah. (laughs) No, it 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 really. I mean, it was just such remarkable chemistry. And uh, uh, again, watching the the shows again, you know, because we we cover a lot of DVDs on our show, and uh, a lot of times we'll see stuff, and it's well, boy, that's been twenty years, and that doesn't age so well, does it? But honestly, this uh, it just felt. I, I I was transported back to when I used to sit there and and watch it on all the odd hours that NBC would continually try to rerun it at, and uh, uh-huh. you know, especially on weekend afternoons of all times. <laughs> But you know what? It just—it still makes me laugh. It still makes me smile, and uh, I just want to thank you so much for being a part of something that really was uh, a central part of my television viewing growing up. And I know a lot of our listeners feel the same way. Oh, thank you. 
Well, thank you, Vicky. We we wish you the best of luck going forward. And uh, is there any chance that there <laughs> there might be some kind of a mama's family reunion in the offing? I hope you know maybe this will uh, trigger that. You know, maybe somebody will uh, somebody will get off the pot. Well, it would be nice. Well, <laughs> yeah, thanks it would again. Be fun. Thanks again so much. Best of luck with everything. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Isn't she a sweetheart? Oh, Isn't great. she amazing? Yep. She's just, I mean, she really is delightful, and uh, that was just such a privilege. So with that, we are done. We are out of here, and uh, we'll be back next week. And send us your Vox boxes. Send us your emails to gods at digigods.com, gods at digigods.com, and uh, more fun and games coming at you. I don't know. How's that for an outro? That was, was that horrible. Horrible? More right. games coming at you. More fun and games. Oh, well, then in that case, that's fine. Okay.